I'm involved with the school. I'm in this leadership program, and I'm thinking, like, our seniors, like, we're going to kill it. Like, we're going to have, like, the best time the end of the year. It's going to be fun. Like, I've been looking forward to this day since, like, freshman year. Like, I'm ready for this. Cecilia Rodriguez is a senior at Johnson Senior High School in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm ready to give my speech, give my diploma, you know, and I'm in ROTC, so, you know, I march at the ceremony and And when all this happened, I was like, bruh. Cecilia was set to graduate with her class on June 2nd until coronavirus closed schools. After high school, she was going to join the Navy. Now, she's not so sure. I was instantly thinking, like, what am I going to do after high school because of this? She and her friend Zaria Mobley were getting excited for life after Johnson High. Mobley was planning on enrolling in college and maybe even studying medicine. Now I'm just thinking, like, do I just take a leap year? Do I just grind and work hard for a year and make money to save for college? Or maybe I won't go to college at all because maybe coronas will last for 10 years like other pandemics. But I just, I don't know. My answer to everything is I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) For so many high school seniors like Rodriguez and Mobley, the last few months have had a giant impact on the next 12. Liz Willen is editor-in-chief of The Heckinger Report. She's talked with high school seniors over recent weeks and written about some of the challenges they face in deciding what's next. Heckinger has even surveyed seniors to get a better understanding of whether they'll go to college at all and how they'll pay for it given the current economy. Some 44% of high school juniors and seniors said that the virus has caused them to change their plans in order to pay for college, uh, while 58% said they are now more likely to take out a student loan. There was another survey we looked at that found parents are not only skeptical of online education, they're unsure if they want their children to enroll in it at all if campuses can't reopen, and um, you can't blame them. From APM Reports, this is Educate. I'm Stephen Smith. Liz, you've been speaking to high school seniors who face a lot of uncertainty about what they're going to do after graduation. Um, Tell us about the students that you've talked with. Well, I feel for them. I really do, Steve, because a lot of these students, of course, they're already experiencing the interruption of their senior year, which means a cancellation of their graduations, their proms, their other ceremonies, the award ceremonies, the concerts, the performances, the plays. So there was already a lot of sadness, but they had at least the idea of, well, when it's all over, I'm going to go to college in the fall. Well, now a lot of them have not been told from the schools that they've been accepted to if the campuses are even going to open in the fall. So they're trying to decide, well, should I go if it's going to be more of an online experience, just considering I've been sitting in my bedroom since March doing finishing my senior year online? That's one problem. The other more complicated problem is that for many of them, their parents are suddenly out of work or on the verge of possibly losing the job. And the four-year experience they had planned for, both financially and in other ways, suddenly looks to be impossible or almost um, unobtainable at this point. So what are some of the things that they're thinking about doing after graduation uh, to accommodate or to uh, adapt to the uncertainty of what's happening next fall? That's the hardest part about all this for many of these students because they just don't know. Um, Some of them are working. Anyone who's lucky enough to still have a job at least can continue working and then make the decision about what they want to do and whether they find out if their school is going to open. Um, Others, like Maddie Drake, she is 17 and she lives in rural Kentucky. She was a valedictorian of her high school and she has a job. She works as a car hop at a Sonic. 
Well, my plants are actually coming together right now, but for a while it was really uncertain where I'd be going to college. Here's Maddie. This past December and January, when I was applying to different colleges, I also applied to several in-state schools here in Kentucky, like the University of Louisville, the University of Kentucky. But we're still, we're going to apply for some student loans, and I will be going to um, Mount Holyoke College this fall. The day before the May 1st deadline, Maddie made the decision to go to Mount Holyoke College, a private women's school in Massachusetts. It was a tough decision. Tuition there is more than three times what she would be paying to go to a state school. Plus, Maddie may have to take courses online in the fall instead of having the in-person experience she hopes to have as a college freshman. A lot of the reason that I wanted to go to Mount Holyoke is to get away from home, you know, leave the state and everything. But if it's online classes, then I would probably still be living at home and just taking online classes. And in that in that situation, it's not necessarily worth all of the extra money that I would be paying as opposed to going to an in-state school. But we've talked about it a lot, and it seems like, I mean, I hope that they'll open their campus back up in the fall, or at least they'll open it maybe halfway through the fall semester, you know. Her parents have had their incomes reduced substantially because of the pandemic. Uh, It's scary. I mean, I haven't actually completed an application for a loan yet. It's it's stressful thinking that I'm going to have that hanging over my head for the next probably eight or ten years, but... I know that I'll I'll definitely be able to pay it back someday, so I, it's all worth it in the grand scheme of things, I guess. But the coronavirus has definitely made it more stressful in that it's a possibility that I may not even get a loan because I'm sure that more people are applying now because everybody's inf- experiencing a lot of income loss. There's so much that's unknown. So they have to pay the same amount of tuition to take online courses, which means not having any of the, you know, the fun of being away at school, of living in a dorm, of meeting your roommate, going to parties, they're sitting in different courses to see what professors are like, and then deciding which courses you're gonna you're gonna be taking, um, taking advantage of all of the amazing resources, the sports facilities, the science buildings, the libraries. Right now, for a student like Maddie Drake, those are just things that are in photos. What are you hearing from parents, guardians, family types that you have been talking to about how they are advising these would-be college-bound students and what they think about making that investment at this point? There's a lot of uncertainty and dismay. And of course, Steve, as always, it depends on the financial situation a family is in. If if money is not going to be a problem, and for example, their, their student wasn't going to be getting financial aid packaged and um, they were going to be paying full price, I think they can feel a little bit more patient about it. Although I have heard from a lot of parents that what they'd really like to do is have their student do a gap year. And not all colleges are willing to accept a gap year at this point. They want to see plans. Well, how do you make a plan to have a gap year and go abroad when you don't know if you'll be able to even travel or go abroad? And also colleges in turn are really concerned about the lack of revenue um, they're already worried about losing a lot of international students, and they're, it's a fragile time for higher ed when they're not sure 
how many students they can count on coming back, especially since that's how they raise their money. Tuition is their big way of, of raising revenue. So even if the parents that I've spoken to are feeling a lot of uncertainty about whether they should send their children, they are not getting a clear sense from the college that um, putting off the decision if they're online is going to be even a, um, a viable option that's available to them. Well, tuition is one uh, obviously important source of revenue for a college, but room and board and activities fees, those things actually are a substantial part of what keeps a college going as well financially. Absolutely. And it's really frightening. Um, I think that colleges right now are in a really tough position. They they need to be able to say, hey, we're going to open. And yes, you can come here if you're an international student. And yes, we'll have financial aid for you and our campuses will be open. But they literally can't say any of those things yet. They don't know. They keep putting off deadlines. We'll let you know. Their websites are full of caveats, um, full of potential updates and different scenarios. But none of them are certain at this point. What do surveys, public opinion polls show about the overall concerns of high school seniors or uh, how many of them are in fact reevaluating their plans? Lots and lots of them. Um, in a story that we wrote recently, some 44% of high school juniors and seniors said that the virus has caused them to change their plans in order to pay for college, uh, while 58% said they are now more likely to take out a student loan. There was another survey we looked at that found parents are not only skeptical of online education, they're unsure if they want their children to enroll in it at all if campuses can't reopen. And um, you can't blame them. I just put through two kids through college. It's an incredibly expensive option. But the whole value of it is to be on campus, to have that experience, not to be, you know, talking to a professor online. What have you heard from universities and colleges about how they're trying to convince students to still uh, to still come, either physically or virtually? They're reaching out, and there there's a lot of that. Um, however, they can't get over this one big problem. They don't have the answers. I think a lot of this is going to shake out in the next couple of weeks. Um, and also, you know, different states have different timetables. As you know, some states are opening now and some colleges are already announcing in Texas and elsewhere that they will be open uh, for business in the fall and they will be open for campus, even though no one's sure exactly what that will look like. Um, will, will there be much more social distancing? Will there be masks? Will they be able to live in dormitories? There's just so many questions. I would say that if you were a higher ed administrator right now, this has got to be an incredibly stressful time, as it is for the seniors that I spoke with for this story who are trying to figure out what they should do and have a, a dearth of real-time answers and information so that they can make these decisions. Did any of those high school seniors you talked to um, talk about the possibility of changing what they plan to major in because of the state of the economy now and going forward? Well, interestingly, two of the high school students I spoke with um, are going to be studying nursing. And if anything, this experiencing and this experience of watching our healthcare workers become endangered, but also so valued by society and listening to the nightly cheers here at seven o'clock every night in New York City, there's there's they're singing New York, New York and thanking them and banging drums and pots. And I'm sure that's being replicated in different locales all over the country. So there's a feeling that um, nursing is still an excellent field and one that might have a little bit more value now. So the two that I spoke with that are studying nursing feel good about that choice. Um, the ones who are a little bit more uncertain, who had experienced um, a lot of 
being unsure in terms of making their choices, felt that they had the luxury to go and think about different liberal arts and, and have that kind of time to see, do I, I'm really interested in philosophy or I really am interested in literature, things that used to be part of what a four-year college uh, experience encouraged and was all about, which is a full curiosity and exposure to all kinds of fields. So the two that are definitely interested in nursing um, are still feeling that way. The others are just feeling um, more confusion about what they can actually experience when they get to college and whether they're going to have to um, change their timetable. Are universities and colleges trying to assure students that there will be jobs for them once they've earned a degree from that institution? And if so, what sort of messages are they are they sending? I got a press release today from Colby College in Maine that says it's gonna it, they're gonna roll out a plan to um, guarantee that all students have jobs. <laughs> um, all of their all of their graduating students have jobs, and I think they're going to be tapping into their alumni networks and doing a whole big campaign around that. But I think it's impossible to guarantee that anybody's going to have a job right now. The unemployment rate is high and climbing. Our co- the economy is still shut down in many places. It is a frightening time to be a recent college graduate and a frightening time to be headed to college with enormous uncertainty about what you're going to find on campus. Not to mention whether you'll be graduating into an economy that's um, vastly improved. Right. And it's also a frightening time to be uh, a parent thinking about sending a child off to a school, a residential school somewhere. I know that um, recently the president of Brown University wrote an op-ed saying that residential schools really ought to try to reopen. And among things they ought to be prepared to do is put students who end up testing positive for uh, the novel coronavirus, put them up in a hotel somewhere. That prompted yowls of disagreement from some other uh, college and university officials saying, you know, we don't have that kind of money. Might there be sort of a a two or even three-tier system? I mean, there already is in a way, but might it just exacerbate the the rifts or the gulfs between these institutions? Yes, there's no question that the schools with the larger endowments and greater resources will have more of an ability to weather this. Um, On the other hand, what they won't have and what they haven't done, and even Brown is hearing this, and a lot of schools are hearing this, that pay high tuition rates. Some parents are demanding refunds because the experience their students having this last semester, these online experiences can be spotty and shoddy in, in, in spots. There are a lot of professors who were not equipped or ready to teach online learning. Um, they're not grasping it quickly. They're not, it's not at all the same thing being in a classroom or in a seminar, uh, sitting, under a, sitting in a lawn under a tree, uh, talking about poetry, or even having lab experiences and hands-on training. None, these things are all gone. So parents are saying, hey, I want to have a, um, a tuition refund. And um, Brown University, for example, I was reading about this in column today, said, said, I'm sorry, there's no such refunds coming. So, um, yes, they might be better positioned to weather this in the long run, but will families, even those of means, be willing to shell out that much money with that much uncertainty? Because even if they do send their kids to school in the fall, if there's another wave, what if school closes down again and we're back to sending the students home and back to online learning? Um, It's a risk. Do you have any sense of how many students either um, who are already in college or 
have been accepted for the fall are thinking of, of simply taking a gap semester or a gap year? And how accommodating do you think schools will be for that? Again, a couple of people that I've talked to have tried to speak to the colleges about um, gap years, but a lot of colleges have a limit. We will only allow X number of students to take gap years. We will only allow X number of deferrals. And some of them have were planned well before all of this took place. So since they're anxious about filling their um, coffers and filling their quota for the fall of, of expected students, I'm hearing that a lot of them are not going to be all that flexible and willing to grant um, a, a gap year at this point. I'm sure it's case by case, but anecdotally, what I've heard from a lot of parents is that they've been discouraged deeply from that. And also, again, as I said earlier, gap years usually require a lot of planning. And even students I spoke with who are talking about gap year say, well, what am I actually going to do? I didn't make plans for a gap year. I don't know if I can go abroad. I'm not sure I'll be able to get a job um, at all. So it's looking a little bit less appealing. Liz Willen is the top editor at our uh, collaborators, The Heckinger Report. Liz, thank you so much. Thanks again, Steve. That's it for this episode. If you're interested in sharing your experience with education during the pandemic, we're on Twitter and Facebook at Educate Podcast, or send us a note to contact at apmreports.org. This episode was produced by Sabby Robinson with help from Alex Baumhart. It was edited by me, Stephen Smith, and mixed by John Miller. We partner with The Heckinger Report, a nonprofit independent news organization focused on inequality and innovation in education. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM. <laughs>